Chris and Gore, and sometimes a little more, my bloody podcast. <laughs> Ha! Welcome to my bloody podcast. Oh yes, I love our uh, I love our theme music by Jonathan Atterbury. Thank you again. Just can't get enough of it. My bloody podcast. We're we're in our teens right now. We've been doing this show for several months now, and we just I feel like we're keep getting better. And we have an excellent show for today. Uh, we're going to be talking about all sorts of horror stuff. We're going to be talking about sharks because our main event today is Deep Blue Sea to coincide with the upcoming shark movie, The Meg. Oh my god, I saw it and I can't wait to tell you all about it. My name is Brian Kluger and yes, this is my bloody podcast on the Multimedia Men Network on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Please subscribe. And of course, I couldn't do this podcast without the... The amazing, he is the John Nada to my Frank Armitage, otherwise known as the Roddy Piper to my Keith David, Preston Barta from Fresh Fiction in the Denton Record Chronicle here to talk about and smell and look and feel all of those gooey places that we call horror. How are you, sir? I'm good, and I'm actually chewing bubblegum, too, but I just took it out. <laughs> you just took it out because you're ready to kick some ass. <laughs> yep, all out of bubblegum. All out of bubblegum. Oh, my goodness. This is, is this episode 16 or 15? We're 16. 16. Yeah, we're on 16. Oh, my God. We have our license to drive now. Oh, if only license to drive was <laughs> a horror movie. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Oh, but yes, we're talking, it's all sharks and aquatic today, I think, for the most part. I'm very excited about all of this. We have a, we have a, a good show. Um, Preston, what's, what's, what's our first bit of news today that you want to talk about? Well, uh, I'm curious to know what you think about the Meg, because uh, I originally was slated to go see it, but I had car trouble and couldn't make it out there. So now I'm curious, because I saw a couple of tweets from some of my uh, fellow film critics, and I want to know where you sit on it. <laughs> so, um, basically, the Meg is based off a book, and it's about a giant Megalodon, and it's directed by John Turtletaub, who brought us the early 90s movies Cool Runnings and Three Ninjas. <laughs> and then he made this movie uh, some years later called The Meg. Um, and this is a $150 million budgeted movie um, that stars Jason Statham and Rain Wilson. And, ooh, my goodness. It is just, it's insane. So, if you remember, earlier in the summer, we had a movie that started The Rock called Skyscraper, and that was mostly set in China, and it had a lot of uh, Chinese dialogue with subtitles, and it had kind of like uh, some ch- like a Chinese feeling of um, like some of their, I guess, cheesy parts where, you know, people look at each other longingly, I love you sort of thing. That was in that movie, Skyscraper. That is the same, the same goes for this movie, The Meg. It 
basically takes place in China. There's a lot of Chinese dialogue. I think this movie is going to do super well overseas, but not so much here. However, I had a blast with this movie. It doesn't waste any time uh, getting to where it's going. Uh, the characters are all muted, one-note characters. You can't distinguish any of them, even Jason Statham and uh, Rain Wilson. And it's just about a giant shark that is out to kill people because they kind of, uh, this team goes below the surface of the ocean, which they thought was the actual surface, but it's just like a very cold cloud of water. And they go down and they see this new world, but then there's a megalodon and giant squid. And then there's this giant shark that just comes out of this ocean. And, you know, the last 20, 30 minutes of this movie are in the trailers where you see millions of people on the beach and in the water and a giant shark comes, which was fantastic. Uh, but yes, this movie is silly, ridiculous, over the top. Um, and if you want to see Jason Statham ride a shark... <laughs> you'll get your chance. Uh, but yeah, you go into this movie like you did Skyscrapers, thinking, okay, it's going to be a fun action movie with silly one-liners. That's what we have here. And it's with a giant shark. I'm excited. Uh, Preston, what did your colleagues have to say about this? I'm curious. Well, James Coclace, I talked to him after he saw it uh, yesterday, and he didn't like it too much. He felt that even though it's intentionally supposed to be like this kind of dumb shark movie, uh, that it just didn't have it didn't capitalize on its potential to be much more than what what is given. And uh, one of my other friends put up this hilarious tweet. Even if you like the film or completely disagree with him, I find it really funny and I kind of want to steal it for another movie that I don't like. But he said, uh, what, what I like most about the Meg is how it guarantees that I know what I'll put at number one on my worst of 2018 list. So that's done. <laughs> really? I don't, I don't know. I, this movie was crazy. It was fun. I didn't really find fault of it because I knew exactly what we were going into. Uh, it, it's super cheesy and silly, but oh my God, the last 20, 30 minutes are really the shark killing people like nonstop. Um, and yeah, it's over. The crowd had a fun time. There's some suspenseful moments in like kind of a shark underwater type of thing. I mean, it's no Jaws by any means or no Deep Blue Sea, but I mean, I don't know. I guess uh, this is where they went with it. Uh, I mean, it would have been nice to have, you know, more detailed characters, layered characters here. But, you know, it, it, it does what it sets out to do. It sets out to show the shark killing people. And that's what we want. And explosions... And ridiculousness. Oh, it's really funny how they did. Um, so one of the actors is Paige Kennedy. And he's an African-American actor. You've seen him as U-Turn in the TV show Weeds, amongst other things. He's in this movie and he is the stereotypical black character. And I can't believe they went this route with it. Most of his lines are basically, oh, hell no. We're not going in there. And then... His character can't swim, and they even make a, a joke where he says, "Like that's not racist <laughs> in the joke in the movie," and I'm just like, "Okay, this is what we're getting with this movie." So I, it was it was interesting to say the least. <laughs> <Well, laughs> I still I still want to see it. 
so I'm going to try to make a point to see it at some point because it's exactly the kind of summer movie or I guess end of summer movie uh, that I like to uh, take in. And even though I felt like I've put the period on the end of summer with uh, Mission Impossible Fallout, but I September and rest of August is pretty dead. So I, I'll, I'll probably have to find some time to go see this on the big screen and take it all in. Yeah, I saw it in IMAX, and it was super fun in IMAX because the screen is gigantic. The sound and the bass was fantastic. I just hope they can recreate that, you know, for home video. But, yeah, it was uh, super fun to see on a big screen in IMAX. So, And it's PG-13, so you can bring the family to it. Uh, it's not super suspenseful or gory, so... Um, but again, I do think this movie is set to really, to do very well overseas, but here in the States, I can't imagine it breaking a hundred million. So there you go. There you go. The Meg. What else do we got up on our news section, sir? Uh, we also have, uh, Jessica Chastain and Eddie Redmayne are in talks to star in this serial killer thriller called The Good Nurse. And um, I have long not been a fan of Eddie Redmayne. He's always weirded me out. But his eccentric nature may be perfect for a serial killer. So I might have to check this one out. And I love Jessica Chastain. And I'm glad that she's doing more thriller horror movies. Because I don't know that it Chapter 2 will be enough or, or mama. I mostly liked that film too. So, uh, I'm on board for this at least until like a trailer comes out, but, um, sounds pretty good from just the, the bare bones material that we have to go off of in the news bits. Yeah. Um, the, I, I would agree with you with Eddie Redmayne. I've never, I mean, he's in okay movies, but forgettable movies, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see him, in something like this. Uh, and I guess the title of the good nurse, um, I don't know when I think about the title of the good nurse, but, uh, I guess cause there's too many properties already with like, I think there's the TV show, the good doctor and all that. So it could be misleading. Right. Um, and then it looks like Darren Aronofsky is going to be part of this movie, right? Yeah, or I think he might have been at one point and is no longer. Uh, I think I read a different director uh, is attached to it at this point, but maybe he he'll still have some sort of involvement. Okay, um, it it looks like some people from Showtime's Penny Dreadful are writing the script for this, but um, I'm I'm very. Uh, you know, with Jessica Chastain and Eddie Redmayne, you want to like them so much. I'm just, uh, I hope for a very good serial killer movie because we haven't had a really good serial killer movie in a long time. You know, I think the bar is yeah. at like seven or um, Zodiac. So who knows? Yeah. And I was really hoping at one point Leonardo DiCaprio was uh, involved with doing the film adaptation of Devil in the White City, which is one of my favorite books. And and then I guess plan, those plans kind of fell through, and it's just kind of like on the back burner at this point. But um, yeah, I don't. There probably hasn't there hasn't been a good serial killer movie in a while. I guess like the few movies that have kind of 
gave that sort of feeling maybe some of the stuff that uh david fincher has done as of late with like gone girl or uh what was that movie that really dumb movie that was kind of like the same thing girl on the train oh yes like that. yes 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 hated hated that movie yeah, me too me too um so and that goes to show you that I, I don't know i never read the girl on the train book but it seems like it could be a good enough story if told right. I just don't think that movie was told right at all. And that Tate Taylor, I think that's his name, the director of it, who did the help, he did it. And it just goes to show you that it really takes a good filmmaker and good editing and good story writing uh, to make it all uh, a cohesive, good, solid thriller. And it hasn't happened too often uh as uh, lately, and so I hope that this may be something to kind of put it back on track, or at least offer like one shiny diamond in the rough. Yeah, and the, and the story is really cool for sure. Um, so I'm just curious on how how they're going to do this. Um, so yeah. I'm, I'm I'm excited, um, but we'll see. This is, this casting is not set in stone by any means. So yeah. maybe they'll. Maybe they will, maybe they won't, but expect the serial killer movie about a nurse who killed a bunch of people in a hospital. So, we'll see. We'll see. Um, Should we bring up uh, the 4K news, which I'm super excited about? Yeah, I'm sure that's the one that you wanted at the top. (laughs) Oh, no, no, I'm just... When this announced, you know, ever since 4K came out, I've always thought, like, when is this one coming out? And it's finally happening. Uh, Sam Raimi's The Original Evil Dead movie with Bruce Campbell that all the way back in the 80s is coming to 4K ultra high definition with Dolby Vision this October in time for Halloween, uh, specifically October 9th. And oh, I just, I'm so giddy. I'm so excited. Um, it's going to include commentary with Sam Raimi, Rob Tappert, and Bruce Campbell. And I'd imagine it's not going to be a new one. I imagine it's going to be an old one. But hopefully most of the extras on all of the releases of The Evil Dead are included here. Um, because I think I've owned Evil Dead maybe eight times over. So I'm not getting rid of any of them. This will just be the one to watch. And hopefully this 4K version is good. Like, I don't expect a sheen, glossy, digital car wash type of image. I want just like the the grain to be uh, not as not to fluctuate as much as it does. Just like a steady layer of grain and uh, good grindhousey feeling to it, and like maybe the colors to be amped up a little bit or more nuanced. I'm excited. I'm super excited for this. This might be my favorite 4K release ever. And hopefully if it does well, <laughs> Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness get a 4K one too. Yeah. And it's just going to be awesome to have this on digital too. <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah, that's true. Because uh, I only own a VHS copy of Evil Dead. I think my wife and I watched it maybe about five years ago um, on DVD. I, I had rented it or got it at some point and don't have it anymore lost in the move or something like that um so i've been looking for like a really solid uh copy of it because i don't have as many copies as you have of it but um 
It's always cool to have the ultimate edition or as close to the ultimate edition as you can get, but it's always nice to have the new features as well. But um, I can settle with a good picture quality or a better picture quality given that, you know, the movie was shot on a dime and it'll be interesting to see how that translates to the 4K picture quality. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be awesome. Hopefully we can give some, we'll get one to give away on this podcast in October. That would be dope. Uh, I did get my, not 4K, but I got my Blu-ray of Ash vs. Evil Dead Season 3, so maybe you and I could review that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll do that because I got a couple copies of Ash vs. Evil Dead Season 3 and a couple copies of Walking Dead recent season. I think next week we should do a giveaway. What do you think? Yeah, that sounds good to me. For both of those because I have copies to give away. Um, But yeah, uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead series is excellent. We need to do a show on just that series for sure. But yeah, Season 3, its final season on Stars is great. Um, But yes, yes. Bruce Campbell, Ashley J. Campbell, I believe. No, Ashley J. Williams. (laughs) I'm getting the real life and the fake life mixed. (laughs) Yeah, or confusing it with Mutt Williams. <laughs> yes. Um, so, other bit of news. If you're into American Horror Story, there is another season. I've only seen a few of these seasons. I haven't seen the last few. Um, but there's it's coming out again. And what is this theme of this season? And what are the updates? Who's in it this season? Um... Well, this season seems like it's just a, like almost like a greatest hits or where everything kind of comes together because, or at least from my understanding, I've only seen uh, very little of it like you. I've seen maybe the first few episodes because that's usually how FX, uh, which I do review stuff for them, but they do all sorts of uh, great shows like Fargo and uh, It's Always Sunny and so I'm always only have enough room to in my life to give to particular shows and this one isn't on my top of interest and so uh i would like to watch it from beginning to end but from from what i hear it's going to be a lot of the characters from coven are going to be coming back so they even got jessica lang um which you know a lot of people said that she was going to uh, stay retired or not come back, and uh, so she will be coming back, uh, reprising her role that she's uh, famous for, where I guess she's done a lot, but it seems like most of it's going to be kind of tied to Coven, uh, but I could be completely wrong on that. Um, and Stevie Nicks, and uh, I think her name is, it's, uh, what's her name? Farmiga. It's the daughter of oh, Vera, Vera Farmiga. Farmiga. K- yeah. Asa. Yes. Um, so she'll be coming back too. Um, but yeah, um, I've, I've probably seen the most of Coven and Freak Show. I, but my wife doesn't like the show at all because she watched a little bit of Freak Show with me 
and there's uh, Evan Peters in that in that particular se- uh, season. I think it was season four. He has flipper hands and <laughs> gets involved with a lot of sexual activity, which is very disturbing. I, I think you kind of know where I'm going with flipper hands and whenever it comes to sex scenes. Oh yeah, and it's uh, it's very disturbing. But that's always been the appeal of the show. Like it just does not give an f, and it will get underneath your skin and just show you shocking image after shocking image. And that's not particularly my bag, but um, from what I hear a lot of the earlier seasons um, and I do want to finish Coven all the way through it, it has more of a a storyline that's more interesting, at least from beginning to end and doesn't completely rely on just showing you disturbing imagery or material that is just numbing like entertaining but numbing like just trying to make you think that it's good but it's not good um and you kind of have to like step back from it and be like oh yeah well that actually wasn't as good as i thought it was so um yeah i would like to kind of go go into it especially now that this will be its last season yeah well i i'm curious in how they're gonna end it all um so yeah American Horror Story fans, there's your updates and casting. We'll probably have more uh, as production follows on all of this. Um, but we want to bring you some, uh, some, some fun trailer news here. Um, one of them is called Apocalypse. And, you know, in the zombie genre, we've seen fast zombies, slow zombies, Nazi zombies, marijuana zombies, and even beaver zombies. But now we're mixing hockey, the sport, with zombies for a apocalypse, which looks amazing. I have the screen here for it. I haven't watched it yet, but my plan is to this week. And, oh, man, this just seems right up my alley. Preston, what do you think? Uh, yeah, there was, uh, there's a lot of fun. I think that the theme of, or at least the theme of many of these trailers that we're going to discuss, or at least two of them, and even the movie, the main feature that we have, uh, Deep Blue Sea, they kind of throw everything in the kitchen sink. And this one has, um, like a shot of like paying homage to Mad Max Free Road, where one of them is spraying like chrome paint on their mouth. But, uh, and then there's like another scene at the very end of the trailer where it shows, uh, like this guy with these two kids and then the kids start eating the guy. And then one of them, one of, one of a separate guy is like watching this happen. And he's like, I knew it. Red rum motherfuckers. (laughs) And so, um, it, I mean, when you have a trailer or a movie title, Apocalypse, like this, I think you know exactly what you're getting into. Um, it is going to be very dumb, but uh, entertaining and kind of uh, meta in a way where it just kind of pokes fun of at the whole uh, zombie genre and also just has a lot of good jokes and uh, – ways to kind of tie in with popular culture, even if it doesn't even relate to zombies, if it's just inserting stuff from like Mad Max Fury Road, but this is just zombies on the ice. Um, 
And that just sounds great. <laughs> that zombies on ice sounds like a ice skating spectacular. Yeah, something that would play at American <laughs> Airlines Center or something. Yes, that's good. Um, all right, Maniac. So there's been an original Maniac from the 80s, and then there's been the Elijah Wood remake. Which Maniac is this again? This is one that's not really a horror movie, but it is trippy, um, like a lot of the movies that I like a lot from the horror genre. Um, it's got Jonah Hill and... Mm, that's right. Yes. And uh, why am I blanking on her Emma name? Stone right? from, Emma Stone from Superbad. Yeah. They're back again. Yeah, so it's a little uh, reunion there. And uh, it's directed by Carrie Fukunagua who did uh, True Detective. And so he's directed, this is going to be a, a uh, limited miniseries of sorts on Netflix. And it's just looks like a lot of stuff that kind of deals with like 12 monkeys or something like that, where it's just exploring the mind and all its uh, possibilities and uh almost like a cloud atlas type of feel too. Like there's um, these two characters who, what I can kind of gather from the trailer is that they're exploring like all these different avenues in their mind. And um, they somehow wind up going back to each other. Like there's just some sort of outside of science connection that's making them come back to each other. But to see, like, this is skinny Jonah Hill, so he's been, his weight's been fluctuating a lot over the years. If you've seen uh, Moneyball, and then he goes to 21 Jump Street, and now he's skinny Jonah Hill, too, uh, this time. And uh, he's got, like, a mullet in one of these uh, scenarios that's in there. Um, And it just looks like a lot of fun and a a lot of disturbing imagery and just it'll make your mind run a marathon. So it seems like it, it's a good time and will challenge me intellectually and while also entertaining me. Um, so I'm on board for it. Good. I guess that's going to be my thing saying I'm on board. I'm on board. Good. Good. Yeah, no, it looks good. And it's good to see Hill and stone in this with Fukunaga. And it looks like, um, what's her name? Sally field and Justin Thoreau are going to be in the movie or in the series as well as, um, Gabriel Byrne. So I'm, I'm excited about this. Yeah, I can't believe Sally Fields in this. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Um, and then the other trailer is uh, The Last Sharknado. It's about time, um, which might be <laughs> uh, called The Last Sharknado, The Last Jedi. I don't know. But it's going to be released on August 19th. And I'm going to read you the log line. Uh, basically, it's going to feature time travel, Nazis, dinosaurs, knights, and Noah's Ark. Um, so, I was <laughs> talking about throwing everything in the kitchen sink in here. This movie's yep. going to do it. Tara Reid, Ian Ziering, and Cassie uh, Serbo are definitely going to return. And I just don't know what Tara Reid, Ian Ziering are going to do after this movie because this is basically what they do. Yeah, this is what the only thing that they got going for them right now. And, and um, why yeah. would they stop making these movies? I mean, why? Why would this be the last one? I mean, it could be something like Friday the 13th where they always say the last or the final chapter and then they go new blood or new whatever. And then so they'll find ways. It's just like ways to kind of get people 
in front of the TV to watch it. Um, but I'm going to be honest. I've, I have not seen a single one of these films, but I've seen enough clips to feel like I've seen as much as I need to, <laughs> to understand it. And at this point it's, it's the dumber, the better and the more out there, the better. And yeah, just throwing everything, like I said earlier in the kitchen sink and turning on the blender or the garbage disposal to, and, and seeing what you end up with and just typing that out. And yeah, in this trailer, you have dinosaurs, historical figures, uh, or, or period piece dressed folks and futuristic powers and environments. There, there's, there's a shot of Tara Reed shooting lightning bolts out of her hands. Like she's Emperor Palpatine <laughs> and like we're, we're long past the days of simply having sharks in a twister up against people armed with chainsaws or swords or what have you. And, and we need to go back in time this time to the first Sharknado ever to keep the, any of the, later Sharknado things that happen from, from ever happening, which is essentially erasing all the sequels that came before this. And I know Tara Reed's character loses her hand in the second one, I believe. So maybe it'll end like days of future past where all is good again and everybody's fine. <laughs> so there you go. Maybe you don't have to watch it now, but now uh, you got to see the silly effects that they have and just the sheer stupidity of it all. No, it is. Uh, this is the sixth Sharknado movie. I've seen one, two, and three, um, and I have not seen four or five yet. But there's been just like tons of crazy guest stars, like including superstar wrestlers. Um, <laughs> But yeah, they're they're super super good and hilarious and just there's no bounds or boundaries in these movies. They <laughs> just go all the way and yeah. uh, and all the way back too. So I doubt this will be the last one because usually if you are on social media, these movies when they air for the first time usually break the internet, so to say, because everybody's live tweeting about it. So. Uh, yeah. 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 At this point, I wouldn't be surprised if the shark, a shark from the Sharknado, like gets the T one or T one thousand to come back in time and make it all shit again. <laughs> Let's hope so. It's good. I, I'll probably be watching this at some point. I'm excited just because I'm just glad these movies exist, and I'm glad, like Preston said, it's not just about if. Sharks in tornadoes weren't crazy enough. We're adding like Noah's Ark political figures, lightning bolts from hands. Yeah. I'm just going to go find the cash machine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like at this point, it's just, it. I think that's why there's, there's six of these movies. Um, because it, I mean, looking at the title alone, you know that it's dumb and you know what it's going to be. And, and at this point it's like, it's an event. It's like a global event that everybody would sit down and kind of watch this and tweet about it and make fun of it. And, and it's like, like everything you can say, whatever the hell you want, like nobody cares. Um, so uh, I, I, I guess that's, that's the appeal of it just being dumb and we can talk about it, how dumb it is. <laughs> oh yes. I love it. I love it so much. Um, we also have, I think, uh, that's it for mostly news, but we have one of our fun horror questions this week, right? 
Yeah, because I enjoyed that last week, and I just thought it would be fun to kind of go into another question and see what we come up with. Okay, Preston, my question, my horror question to you, as well as to all of our listeners, our beautiful listeners. If you were a stereotype in a horror movie, which stereotype would you be, Preston? Mm. Um, I would like to think of myself being a character similar to Jamie Kennedy as Randy in Scream or Fran Krantz as Marty in Cabin in the Woods, that, that, that person who is ahead of the curve and constantly questions the situation and logic of the other characters who also may have a very vast knowledge of horror movies and knows how to guide people. Uh, however, they still manage to fall under the knife and wind up dead. So, but their legacy lives on and the characters uh, still find um, his words of wisdom like popping in their heads after he's dead. So it, it's more of a layered and specific stereotype, but probably a rather new one. But that person who dismantles horror tropes but still dies ignoring his own ideas, that just sounds like a what I would like to be instead of being something like that, that jock in the movie that is so clueless and winds up getting uh, hacked by Jason or something. Yeah, sure. I get, I like it. I like it. You know what? I thought about going that route too, (laughs) but I didn't. (laughs) Um, As much as it'd be fun to be the secret silent killer, but um I'm going to go that I think I would love to be like that really weird, strange, schizophrenic guy that's usually like at like a market, like an old rundown market or gas station that mm-hmm. gives all the young kids all the advice and the story about what's happening in the woods or at the cabin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, just be like, hey, don't go over there. This is what happened. Um, yeah. So kind of like a a twisted cousin of my answer, like the, the person that's warning them not to do it, but yet they're going to go do it anyway. Correct. Correct. And then the other person I thought I would be is like the one guy who basically like, Nope, I'm out. And like, I'm gone within the first five minutes of the movie. (laughs) Yeah. As soon as I hear like a weird twig branch snap, I'm like, I'm out. (laughs) Yeah. Like, uh, Lakeith Stanfield in the very beginning of get out. I think that's why I loved (laughs) that movie so much even from the get-go is that he sees something creepy he's like nope going the other way yep (laughs) uh but it's so funny there was a lot of a lot of really funny answers on the reddit uh one of them was like i'm the guy that backs up against a window and then bam i'm taken out yeah i thought that was really funny um like friday the 13th part two Yes, 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 yes. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. Give a if if you are on social media, let Preston know uh, what stereotype you would be, or just let us know. Text us. I'm sure you have our numbers. Um, <laughs> yeah, because only our friends listen to this. Uh, I hope more people listen to it. <laughs> but uh, if not, just text us. What stereotype are you in a horror movie? Are you the stoner? Are you the smart guy? Are you the jock? Are you the the wonderful, luscious, uh, beautiful woman in distress? Or are you the badass woman who just kills everybody? I don't know. Uh, but yes, let us know. 
But on to bloody recommendations. Our bloody recommendations segment is where we try to give you some uh, not so uh, known horror movie recommendations that might have been lost in the shuffle over the years. Or if something's just coming out that you just forgot about, this is the section where you want to listen to the bloody recommendations on my bloody podcast. Preston, what recommendation do you have, sir? Mm. Well, I have two different ones, and so I really want to know what your pick is so I can choose if uh, I'm going to go this way or go this way. So why don't you go first? (laughs) All right. I'm going first. I'm going with a movie that came out in 2013. It was a low-budget independent movie called Buck Wild. Have you heard of this? I have heard of it. Uh, Super fun horror comedy movie. Um, This reminds me of actually Sam Raimi's Evil Dead. You know, I was first and completely enthralled with Evil Dead that somebody like Raimi would set out with his friends in a cabin in the middle of the woods to make seriously like a bloody as hell terrifying film on a shoestring budget. It was basically with all of his friends and family. Uh, And, you know, the rest is history. Um, But... In this movie, Buck Wild, this is exactly what happened. Um, this guy, uh, Tyler Glott, uh, got to see his dream realized uh, with this zombie movie called Buck Wild. And it's, it's a homage to 80s horror with his friends. Um, you'll see Raimi, John Carpenter type stuff in this movie uh, because it involves rednecks, zombies, beer, blood, and a wild chupacabra. Um, and it all is filmed in Texas, which is where we are. Uh, it's basically about a group of three friends and a weird cousin that travel to this ranch called Buck Wild. And uh, there's this like really strange guy that runs it and his nympho daughter named Candy. Uh, these three friends plan to hunt and camp and get drunk. Uh, but then, uh, things happen, uh, the, the zombies come out uh, and it leaves these friends fighting for their lives, uh, in a very slapstick comedy and gross out way. But one of the camera angles are very reminiscent of Sam Raimi's first Evil Dead film. Uh, it's just super fun. If you like Evil Dead type stuff, if you like the horror comedy gross out, Buck Wild is super fun. It is on Blu-ray. Uh, there's not really any bonus features to it, just a couple of deleted scenes. But if you're into filmmaking, if you're into the horror scene, this is one movie that, you know, who any aspiring filmmaker should see this because it's kind of like, oh, they got to do this, you know, on a decent, like, low budget. Uh, they just had fun with it. So, yes, definitely worth your time. Highly recommended. Very cool. Cool. And what is yours, good sir? I'm curious on which way you chose to drive. Okay, I'm probably going to go the more traditional route on this one, um, and I'll probably save the other one for down the line, even though you had hinted at uh, an idea of uh, what it could be. Anyway, um, I thought about finding something, or I wanted to do something that kind of involved sharks. And so the shark list is pretty... uh, short in that a lot of them are either mainstream or a lot of them you've are like so like you know anaconda go straight to dvd kind of type 
or you'll find something kind of in between. And so in 2003, but I think it came out actually in 2004, uh, there's the movie Open Water. Oh, yeah. Um, and of all the shark movies that have come out, even though, I, you know, Jaws is the top tier, it's like the absolute best one, and it probably will forever be that way because you, you later – uh, Deep Blue Sea takes a lot of its ideas from that, pays little tributes to it. And I felt like this one, Open Water, which is about these uh, this couple that goes on a scuba diving uh, trip, and uh, they're out in the water and enjoying their time, and then the, the boat uh, miscounts them and leaves them out there stranded in the open water, hence the title. And this isn't taken, when, when it comes to, like, it's shark-infested waters, and it's not taken in a way that's like Megalodon or something. Like, there's no big shark that's coming, to, that's just ripping them in half uh, in a way that you could think, or it doesn't take an overly Hollywood approach to it. It's very grounded. It's very real because it's based on a true story. And so what the story had me thinking about is the actual scene in Jaws where they're talking about U.S. Indianapolis, the USS Indianapolis, where it wasn't like a big shark that got them. It was a bunch of little sharks um, that killed many of the people that were stranded out in the water. So just the idea of just being out there on the open, not being able to really see what's underneath you uh, beyond like the few feet that you can see down um, is absolutely scary. Just even the idea of being out on the open water period, even if there weren't any sharks there, but it's just like so much ocean and you can't, there's nowhere you can go. There's nothing that you can grab onto. You're just there floating. Uh, either waiting to die by the things that are underneath or just waiting to die by just being out in the ocean. You can't, you can't survive that way. And so just in this, it's like a little, it's little sharks compared to the size of like Jaws and these other sharks and other shark movies, um, picking off these people. Uh, and there's only two, but just imagine like getting your, your foot bitten off or your toe or your leg bitten into and then you slowly bleed out and you die and then you're in harm's way because one of them is bleeding out and uh causing more sharks to come so this is not like i said a big hollywood production it's just really small and uh kind of like an independent feel and I find that to be just as effective as uh, some of these, uh, you know, bigger, scarier shark movies like Deep Blue Sea that, you know, will have a shark coming down the hallway, swimming through the hallway of this flooded facility and causing your teeth to grind or you to grip, grip your thigh, your pant leg or something like that. Um, this one is just as effective by taking uh, this route of being more truly horrific of just not knowing what's below you and when when you're going to die. Because it's not like if you're going to die because at this point you're doomed and uh, I don't <laughs> – being out there in the water and 
them not being able to really find out where your exact location is, you're 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 just gonna die. But you want to hang on to the hope and believe that you're going to be found. But the chances aren't likely. So uh, yeah, 2003 to 2004's Open Water would be a good alternative to uh, some of these louder shark movies. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's uh, it, I. This movie, I remember seeing it in a theater and scared the hell out of me because a big fear of mine is being stranded in the middle of the ocean with no nothing. <laughs> so I and yeah. I and it's hard and, to believe that this was a true story, but yeah, it is a true story. And and just the idea of like you you die, but your body never being found. Yeah, sure. Uh, is also a scary thought because your your family will just never know what really happened to you. You're just like, oh, like I don't, I don't know. Did did a shark get them? But at this, you know, I mean, since it's based on a true story, you can they have an idea of like what happened. But it's still a scary thought. Very, very, very. I agree. That's a good recommendation. I haven't seen Open Water in a long time, sir. I want to yeah. see it again. Thank you. And but, it's short too. Super yeah. short. It's like just just over an hour long. It's like an hour and fifteen minutes, hour and change. Yeah. It's uh it's good stuff. And uh yeah, it made quite a bit of money at the box office. So yeah, seek that out. It's good stuff. Um they made a sequel, but don't worry with yeah. the sequel. Um but yes, yes. Should we move on to our main event? Yes, we should. All right. Nineteen ninety nine's Deep Blue Sea directed by uh, Rennie Harlan, who gave us a ton of crazy films like Nightmare on Elm Street 4, Die Hard 2, Cliffhanger, The Long Kiss, Goodnight. Oh, my goodness. Um, But, yes, crazy movie, Deep Blue Sea. Everybody knows it for one particular scene, but there's so much more to it. Preston, enlighten us. Um, So... Yes, I saw this movie in theaters when I was nine years old, and <laughs> being a, a big shark movie fan or just watching Shark Week, being obsessed with shark books, and just – it's kind of like when Jurassic World – or Jurassic World, Jurassic Park came out. Uh, I became obsessed with dinosaurs as a kid, so there was just always – I was always interested and fascinated by uh, – mysterious animals to me and so uh i was really excited about seeing uh deep blue sea and even though it was rated r my parents still took me to go see it and uh so the the plot is kind of similar to rise of the planet of the apes um where they're testing uh a cure for alzheimer's disease and so um, there's a group of scientists that are located on this isolated research facility, which is like this abandoned um, station where I think in the movie says like that where submarines would go to, to either fuel or uh, port. And um, so at this facility, they do research on sharks and they do um, tests on these three sharks and they become super intelligent and start to fight back. And they, uh, um, honest trailers actually ran a really hilarious, um, honest trailers for, for this movie also to kind of celebrate, uh, the release of the Meg. And a lot of the thoughts that came up in that, 
uh, on his trailer is a lot of the thoughts that I've had for many years. And I'm just glad that there's like more people that are recognizing it and, uh, are willing to poke fun at the movie, even for how entertaining and uh, joyous it is. And, um, watching it cause I watched it again, uh, last night cause it has been a couple of years since I've seen it and it's on Netflix right now. So you can watch it on Netflix. Um, if you don't feel like going out to the theater to go see the Meg and you need, uh, something to scratch that, uh, dumb shark itch, this will be your movie. Um, so it's the, the plot structure is very similar to Jurassic Park in that you got people who are outsiders going in to see what this facility is all about. And so they create, they have these sharks that they created that are super smart. And, uh, even, even some of the music cues, uh, sound super similar to John Williams score. Like it, I was joking with my wife last night as we're watching the intro and you see Sam Jackson and there's another connection for you. Sam Jackson's in this and, uh, he's going to this facility with, um, What's her name? Saffron Burroughs' character. She's like the actual scientist that, or person that knows everything and everything. She's like the mad woman that you realize at the end uh, knew all this information and withheld it from everybody. And uh, so she's taking uh, Sam Jackson's character out there to kind of get his endorsement and his approval on to further continue this research. And so the plane's going out there and like you, you get wide shots of the plane and uh, the music is, I, I was joking. It was like, nur, 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 nur. like you you can almost just kind of hear John Williams, score going and then they land. And then there's a shark that's like being lowered into that. That was actually, that was caught in the beginning of the movie. And that's a whole other thing. And I'll get back to that. Um, is being lowered to be fed to these sharks, very similar to the cow being fed to the raptors. And uh, it doesn't stop there. Like there's the storm that rolls through. There's the rest of the crew that leaves the island because the storm's coming in and it's not their shift. And uh, hell, all hell breaks loose in very similar fashion. And these the the characters, the surviving characters, and who all that makes it by the end has to find a way out of the facility uh, as these three sharks just. Uh, wreak havoc and start picking them off one by one. But uh, the intro we should talk about because I think that's what makes it kind of fit into the horror realm other than it's being like scary sharks killing you, but it shares a lot of similarities and a lot of DNA with like a slasher film and the way that it opens. Um, I was listening to a podcast not too long ago where they were talking about Jaws 2 and how that movie you know, you got teenagers in it and young people and they're being uh, picked off and, and the ending kind of reflects that as well of Jaws 2. And so in this one, you got young people that are on a boat and just enjoying their time and then uh, a shark goes to try to kill them. And then Thomas Jane's character swoops in at the last minute right before all these kids uh, fall off the boat because it, this sh- one shark that gets loose – um, manages to break through break through uh, the fencing at the facility and, and get out. Um, 
and they and so it's Thomas Jane's character who's like the shark wrangler's duty to uh, tr- find the shark and keep it contained. Otherwise, who knows what will happen in the world if uh, these uh, new super sharks uh, start mating and create uh, a whole new race of sharks that could just uh, kill anything that's in the ocean. And so, um, yeah, Thomas Jane stops the shark from killing these kids, and then uh, we get into uh, the rest of the the glorious story of anything. I'm gonna, I, I mean, I can keep going if you want to chime in and add some things before uh, I just keep going and going. No, I think you're doing well. I mean, this this movie really, like Preston said, is it almost set up like a Friday the Thirteenth movie, and these like how everybody kind of goes gets killed off one by one by one of these sharks. And you know, when we say like these sharks are being experimented on and like stuff like that, you know, it's all basically for a good cause because they're. Uh, yeah. You know, we're trying to find cures for Alzheimer's here in this movie, and maybe these sharks have the key to that. But, you know, these sharks just become too violent, too smart and everything. But uh, it's... Yeah, and Stellan Skarsgård is actually, like, the scientist that's doing most of the legwork in uh, finding out, like... uh what they need to extract from the shark brain to kind of inject it into uh, somebody who has Alzheimer's. And so there is a point in the film pretty early on after everybody arrives and they, they uh, Thomas Jane like shows off the, uh, this is going to sound awful. I apologize, mom, but the size of his dick by uh, his skill set in wrangling these sharks. <laughs> and so he, uh, so the shark that he captures at the beginning, uh, I believe, or they just have another shark that they, they have that they used to, you know, as I said, they feed to these other sharks, um, which goes to show you, here's like a little sidebar moment. Um, so they extract, this stuff from shark brain sharks brains to kind of put it into the infected brain of a human. And so it being in these super sharks and they only, or they crave the taste of other sharks. Cause that's what happens in the beginning of this movie. They eat another shark. Um, man, what a missed opportunity for a sequel to just go in complete zombie territory or, uh, cannibalism by giving it like if say the doctor had got away and uh, started injected into humans and then it just completely backfires like it has all the symptoms and it sounds yeah. like a, a, a whole other familiar horror movie completely backfires and then just becomes a zombie movie so the possibilities of what could have happened from here and just being more than just I never saw Deep Blue Sea 2, which came out, like, last year. But I heard it was shit. And But how cool it would have been if it just completely shifted genre gears and became something else entirely. That would have been super cool. Um, I would have loved to see that. Or even, like, maybe even a reboot of something where that goes in that territory you just described. Uh, yeah. I'm in for that. But we have to talk about the one scene, though. Yes, we do. The and one scene, all all hail Russell Franklin, otherwise known as Samuel Jackson. Yeah. Um, Samuel Jackson in this movie is kind of almost like a leader type, but there's a certain yeah. scene 
when, you know, the whole crew is down there and they find out that they're kind of like their submersible ship has been damaged and it like looks like all is lost. And Samuel Jackson gives this insanely Oscar worthy, uh, you know, inspiring speech of like, we need to come together. We need to work yeah. together. <laughs> yeah. Like everybody has a past and this is his, his, he's sharing his past as a way to inform the present. Yes. And it, like the music swells and it's like, we're going to get through this. And then the camera gets right on his face, <laughs> right on his face. And it's like, sweet. You're like, yes, I'm pumped up. I'm amped. This is going to work. And then a shark comes and eats Samuel Jackson horribly and drags him down into the pool. And he is, and he is killed. <laughs> yeah. Like there, there's just like one hole in the middle of the ground um, that has water like a pool of water, as you said, and then the shark pops out. And um, that's a thing about this movie. Like a lot of the effects, um, and I, I assume like they took a lot of ideas from like, uh, Jur uh, not Jurassic Park, uh, Jaws, in that they use like these animatronic sharks to kind of, especially when they're doing like the brain work on the first shark in the facility um, to, to really show Sam Jackson's character before he dies that, this stuff works and then it could, it could do it, but it, it, it backfires in that, um, Stellan Skarsgård's character gets too confident and after, cause the shark's asleep and he's smoking a cigarette right next to it and he gets his arm bitten off. And then at that point, it be, that's what causes the rest of the movie to go in motion mm -hmm. and that, uh, they got to call an emergency crew to come in to, to save him from bleeding out. And so they do. And then, uh, because there's a really bad storm there and the helicopter comes in, they're having difficulty with him. And then, uh, as they're wheeling him, reeling him up from the helicopter because they can't land on the facility, um, he just drops the, so he's like on a stretcher and it just drops into the water and you're like, Oh fuck, this guy's dead. And <laughs> the sharks get him, and well, they don't kill him right then and there. Cause these are smart sharks. They destroy the helicopter and there's like a lady that's in the tower. She dies. So like this movie has no mercy towards <laughs> his characters. It will just kill them. And, so the the one of the sharks, you know, detaches um, if the Stellan Skarsgård from the helicopter, and to kind of pay homage to the third Jaws, which uh, is us also like at this like not also but at this Sea World type of place adventure park, and there's like a section of the park that's underwater, and so it has this big glass that you can see out into uh, the ocean, and. So there's a point where Samuel Jackson, uh, when they, they get back down after they, uh, you know, attach w what they think, they successfully attached uh, Stellan Skarsgård to the helicopter and he got away. But they go back down to the facility area to see if he got away because the storm's so violent they have to look through the cameras. And they get down there and then they find out that uh, – it didn't go as planned. And so Samuel Jackson looks up into the water from the window that's in front of him and sees that Stellan Skarsgård is inside of a shark's mouth, uh, going really fast towards the glass. 
and the shark gets enough speed to let go of him to like throw him into the glass to shatter the glass and flood the facility. And then that's when we get to this great Samuel Jackson death scene with uh, really bad dated effects. It looks pretty bad when the shark come, actually comes out because you can watch this clip on YouTube of his death. And it's one of the best deaths in movies of all time just because it's completely mm-hmm. unexpected and also looks terrible uh, to today's standards. Um, but then from there – yeah, like more and more people die. Thomas Jane's character is kind of as awesome as he's portrayed to be. There's like little moments where he's just like slipping on water and uh, not really holding his ground. <laughs> and like, like like when that glass shatters uh, from Stellan's Garsgard being thrown into it, like everybody stays there for quite a while to be like, Guys, we need to move. You know, I would have been like you, what you were saying as the stereo, the stereotype that you would like to uh, take on to be that guy to be like, I'm out of here. Like as soon as like the gra- the glass is cracking, I just would have been like, it's time to fucking get out of here. And they all stay there very stupidly. So it, it fits into a lot of what happens in horror movies where characters are pretty dumb. They do dumb things, and it happens. But the death scenes are glorious, and uh, how they get from one floor to the next because they're trying to get from underwater in the lower part of the facility all the way to the top, and they have to take all these uh, uh, ways that um, are routes to get out that you just would not see coming such as getting out, having to flood like one section of the building just so they can go out the the bottom of it to get to the top. And so that's a whole other scary moment of being in the open water again. And so um, and uh, how a lot of these sharks even die uh, pays homage to the Jaws films. Like one of them uh, is killed by electrocution, which calls back to uh, Jaws 2. And then you have the grand finale, which, you know, I, I, I hope you've seen this movie <laughs> at this point, but you kind of know what happens uh, or, or you could guess what happens. But the final shark, um, and this is something that I always uh, reference in a lot of what I'm writing, like movie reviews, um, just because I think it's such, it, it's the second most glorious part of the whole movie. And so LL Cool J's in this, and we didn't even bring him up at all yet. And he plays a cook, and he gets this great moment where he, uh, you think that he's going to be the guy to die, because um, at, at the toward the end of the film, there's only three people left, and he's one of them. And there's even jokes that he says throughout the movie. He's like, "Brothers never survive this," <laughs> and he, and so you're thinking, "Oh yeah, the filmmakers are taking it." Uh, in the route that he had guessed and that he's going to die, but he has a cross on his necklace because his nickname is preacher, a real religious man that has also has a past. All these characters have past that they just like to talk about in the movie. And he has a cross on his necklace and he stabs the shark in the eye to get himself free. And then later they blow the shark up in the same way or similar to Jaws 1 
in Jaws 4, but they do it in a way that's really funny where they shoot a rod that has an electric or a cable attached to it to, sh- to hit the, the shark. Cause the, at this point we learn that the shark, the fence that's keeping them contained has dropped. Like the whole facility has kind of dropped and the, the metal that's above water is completely different metal that's below water. And so the top metal is easier for them to escape out of. So this shark is, this flash shark is trying to get out of there. And so they shoot it with the cable and then blow it to hell. Um, and so LL Cool J gets to save the day and it's, uh, it's, it's great. Like, um, we can just keep talking about the plot and picking it apart and how great it is. But I think that's, what's, uh, so great about this movie. There's so many memorable moments and callbacks to a lot of other great shark movies and other great, uh, sci-fi movie or horror movies in general. It just feels like it fits into what we were talking about earlier with like kitchen sink stuff. Like it just has everything and uh, even has like the Jurassic park scene in the kitchen where El Kuja is like hiding inside the oven. And then the shark turns the oven on. There's like, <laughs> it's, there's just like an endless list. It's just glorious. And so I hope that if you haven't seen it in a while, uh, you, uh, if you, and if you have Netflix, you can just watch it and uh, prepare yourself uh, going into the Meg this weekend, or if you need some alternative, it's a great alternative. Yeah, and it's interesting with this movie, Deep Blue Sea, uh, the the original writer, who was Australian, his name was Duncan Kennedy, um, he wrote the script, he was inspired uh, after he actually witnessed a horrific shark attack on a beach near his home in Australia, and then after that, he kept on having recurring nightmares of being... Uh, in a like a narrow passageway with sharks that could read his mind, which Lee led him to write this script, um, and he wrote the script while trying not to like be too similar to Jaws. Um, yeah. However, I guess one of the drafts that was written uh, on this movie really um, it featured a big military espionage presence with like a bunch of high tech gadgets and grenade launchers and all that stuff. But they kind of went more low key with it to like, I guess better uh, grounded characters, I think. And I think it really went that way because we have more of a horror film and an action film with deep blue sea, which I really like. Uh, Yes. And I'm just so glad LL Cool J's in it. Uh, (laughs) Um, Stellan Skarsgård, Samuel Jackson's Thomas Jane's Ada Totoro, Michael Rapaport. It's just good stuff. It's all it's all fun, all lovely. Uh, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of this movie. Um, the music uh, is by Trevor Rabin uh, that did all the music for it, um, and he's done a few things in his life, uh, so uh, such as like. Um, Con Air, Gone in 60 Seconds, a bunch of action movies, Bad Boys 2. It's all funny. Um, but yeah, this movie uh, is available on streaming devices and highly recommend you take a look back at it. Deep Blue Sea. Pay your respects to Samuel Jackson. Yes, <laughs> always. But I think that's it for this bloody podcast, right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it was a good well, one. It was a great one. There's sharks everywhere. Sharknado, Deep Blue Sea, Open, open water. water. Good stuff. The Meg, it's, it's just shark shark stuff. Um, I will say at the end of The Meg, 
It is finished with the title on the screen, Thin. <laughs> that's what we're that's dealing how they, with. That's man. how they all should end. Oh, and at the end of Deep Blue Sea, LL Cool J supplies the the end track of the film, his own rap song that throws my head is like a shark fin or my hat is like a shark fin. So uh, <laughs> that's also awesome. It is uh, very true. Uh, yeah, and, it's uh, called Deepest the Blue. for that too. It's funny. Yep, Deepest Blue is Shark Fin and Say What, which we're using the end credits. LL yep. Cool J. If we can find that single on a vinyl, we're going to do it. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, where can they find you, Preston? Uh, you can find me on freshfiction.tv, where I'm the features editor. And you can also find me on the Denton Record Chronicle, and that's Denton. D-E-N-T-O-N-R-C.com, where I have my weekly theatrical reviews and Blu-ray reviews. And uh, since we did that question about uh, stereotypes, if you could pick one in a ho- from a horror movie, what you would pick, you can hit me on Twitter at Preston, P-R-E-S-T-O-N, dot, or not dot, giving away my email here, uh, Barta, <laughs> B-A-R-T-A, so Preston Barta, at Preston Barta on Twitter. The Preston Barda, or just lose the the. It's cleaner. Yeah. <laughs> Social network. Social network with sharks. Oh, I like it. Um, and I'm Brian Kluger, of course, Boomstick Comics and High Def Digest. We'll be back next week with some good horror stuff. But until then, uh, stay tuned on iTunes and Stitcher Radio for our podcast, my bloody podcast. We love you. Yes.